he's a Swiss army knife. You know, like if you take away one part of his game, he's got another part that he can go to. He's not one dimensional. And that's that's what's nerve wracking. You really have to be detailed when you play Lamar Jackson. You can't you can't go after the sack when you go after the sack. That's when he burns you for an 80 yard touchdown and a 300 yards passing. But you can still beat him. You're listening to the Minnesota Vikings podcast. This is episode 118. I'm Tatum Everett alongside Gabe Henderson and Jay Nelson. We're still slowly recovering from a late night on Halloween night, but to help us in that recovery process on today's podcast, we've got Viking staff writer Lindsay Young. You know her, you love her. You love her writing, especially. Lindsay, thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me, you guys. How are you feeling after Sunday? I am still tired. I'm yeah, <laughs> honestly, I feel like I haven't caught up yet at all. No, but I feel like this season in general, just like I, I read about this the other day, like the the games have been draining, Yeah, you know, and so I can't even imagine what it feels like to actually be on the team or be a coach. But it's been it's been a drag so far. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm no, tired. That's a good but point. Like your anxiety levels have been at the like <laughs> every at capacity, game. every can, game. Can your heart be broken anymore? I, like every game, even the games we've won, like it's yeah. been down yeah. to the very end. To have already been in overtime twice, like before going into a week seven bye is crazy. Rick Spillman used the word exciting, which I don't agree with. I mean, if that's if that's what gets you excited, great. But the, uh, <laughs> for me, I'm, I can't take too much more. <laughs> the craziest part about this whole season is we talked about it from the very beginning. The roller coaster, mm-hmm. you know, the the close games and everything, put you, putting you on the emotional roller coaster. And this one, you're you're sitting there saying, okay, when is when are we fully engaging for what we think is going to happen and to get to the end the way it did, still have a chance, still have a chance to try and and punch something in and just to fall at the very end the way we did. It just it was this very unsatisfying game and it. People were asking me my thoughts earlier in the week, and I just said it felt kind of like Cleveland all over again, where it's like you had yep. that first drive yep. that was super successful, and you're like, okay, we got something here. Let's see what we can do for the rest of the game. And the rest of the game, you were basically stuck in the mud, and you're only kicking field goals and couldn't punch multiple you know, chances inside the red zone in for touchdowns. I think that was, that was the huge issue that we had in that game. I think Adam Thielen nailed it on the head when he was like, we just – let teams hang around, hang around, hang around. Like, there hasn't been a single game that's been really a blowout in either direction. It's just sort of this, like, plodding along, right? having the lead, feeling okay, but then that team hangs around, and it came back to bite us big time on Sunday. I feel like we kind of felt that maybe a tad, like a tad bit comfortable in the second half of that Seahawks game, but the only problem with that is still no second half touchdowns, you know, and and haven't scored a touchdown in the second half at U.S. Bank Stadium. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, that, that's I mean, you, you felt comfortable in that game, but at the same time, it was unsatisfying to end that way. Yeah. And not scoring points in sudden change is probably the, the biggest thing to me, because, yeah, you want to score points in the second half. And when you have the momentum on your side, that's a that's a whole nother nugget right there where it's like, OK, well, granted, they stopped us on a drive. But when the defense forces a turnover and you got the momentum and you got a shorter field to go and you don't put up points, it's like, oh, my gosh, like, come on. Like, what are we doing here? And granted, uh, last week I was like, all right, well, we usually run the ball out of sudden change. When it's a turnover, we usually try to get uh, a run game downhill. And I'm like, all right, let's let's take some shots. Well, Mm -hmm. this past Sunday, we actually took three shots in three sudden change moments. And that still resulted in zero points. So. I think it's one of those weeks where you just got to go back to the drawing board and say, okay, what works best for this offense? 
what do we do best? Is Dalvin healthy? Can we run the ball? Like, do we need to run the ball to the left versus the right, vice versa? Like, what do we do best? And let's stick with that. Well, we do have a lot to get to to talk about this game because now we take the show on the road to Baltimore and face Lamar Jackson and the Ravens this weekend. Uh, Before I get there, though, I just want to give a huge shout out to the Vikings game presentation staff, because if you were in the building for the Halloween matchup uh, on Sunday, it was just such a vibe. I mean, I felt the energy. I've never heard it louder between, you know, the the spooky video tie-ins and the music and the even the honestly the cheerleaders dance to thriller that like made my whole night. There was just like so many elements of it that really just made that atmosphere amazing. I know as for my first night game, I was just blown away. Yeah. It was my first night game also and just I mean, huge shout out to Darius, Greg Bostrom, uh Tom, but all the guys involved in the game, the productions, Arthur Koo, Jay Nelson. Jesse had um, Jesse, Jesse Marquette Marquette had, had that video that um, with the eyeball. I was like, mm-hmm. ooh. Yeah, it, it was it was amazing. Like US Bank Stadium, the the game presentation, whether you're a fan or not, there were so many Cowboys fans there, yeah. there that that left the game saying, Man, like this is this is much better than Jerry Rolled and you know, Jerry Rolled and ATT Stadium in Dallas. They they uh they make a name for themselves by doing everything big. And I think US Bank Stadium was a lot bigger than what any in-game experience in the NFL can and will be this year. Also, shout out to Lindy for your Hulk professional wear at the same time. I was like, how did you pull this off? I had to just have a little a little touch of Halloween. So I I figured I'm going to be wearing a mask anyways in the press box, COVID, you know, protection and had to go with my Hulk mask and did you already have that on standby or did you get it for the for the night I got it for the night okay just making sure wasn't sure if that's something you (laughs) rocked around to like target on a Sunday morning or something no I got it for the night but will I (laughs) re-wear it yeah absolutely (laughs) did Mark Ruffalo ever retweet you no oh no I was so sad but as we know with Lindsay you you wouldn't like her when she's angry it's just like you you know you gotta make sure that keep everything good we'll be fine (laughs) when I do get mad people tell me that it's like cute and I'm like I've never seen you mad ever you can ask Alan (laughs) (laughs) I think Alan can pull it out at anybody at this point Uh, one thing I will say about game presentation we did hear from multiple people including um, some cowboy people and everything too just saying hey kudos for all the effort you put in and I think in, in general we try to do a, a, everything bigger, especially for a night game, a primetime game. We know that the fans are usually more geeked for those kind of games. Mm-hmm. Um, just even the atmosphere, especially getting dark, and you can really control the lighting grid and all that kind of stuff. I think the amount of time and effort that that guys like you said, Arthur Koo and Jesse Marquette and, and Tom and Darius and Greg and everybody put into planning for this game, knowing how big it was. It was the Cowboys. It was Sunday Night Football. Um, I think it, it really showed. And, and like you said, kudos to those guys for all of the efforts they did. I think there was we can only control so much. You know, we can't control what happens on the field, but we can control the atmosphere. And I think um, do everything they can to put their best foot forward. It was just really cool to see. Well, back to the bad news. That, was, was, that was the best thing that happened on Sunday. The actual game <laughs> presentation, because the on field performance, man, I wish it would have been a little bit better. Yeah. Speaking of that, you know how we do it on losses here on Minnesota Vikings podcast. We have a vent session and I just feel like I know we kind of talked, touched on this a little bit more in the beginning, but I'd like to have you guys have just your full 60 second stream of thought after the 20 to 16 loss to a Cooper Rush led Cowboys team, which obviously still stings. But we need to put that in the past. So we'll do so with event session. So we will actually 
I'll let Gabe go first, just so you can kind of get the, a feel for it, Lindsay. Set the table, Gabe. That sounds yeah. good. All right, set me Take up for this. Take a deep breath before we do this. All right, and I'm going to put you on a timer Oh, there's here. an actual timer. Oh, yeah. This is we very go, formal. Yes. Right. We, we keep, we, you get 60 seconds. Kay. Don't go this over. Is, you don't want to know what, you don't want to find out. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to find out what happens if you go over. Okay, I'm teasing. All right, Gabe. Three, two, one. Um, one thing I want to vent about is the fact that we knew coming in, whether Dak would play or not, that we were going to force the Cowboys to throw the ball. Stopping the run was the number one thing. The Dallas Cowboys, the number one most efficient first down team, which means they average four plus yards on first down. We knew stopping the run would be key. We did that and we still lost to a Cooper Rush team. And a lot of that goes to not being efficient on third down on both sides of the ball. But since I'm on the defensive side of the ball, uh, the Cowboys were seven to 14 on third down, which means, you know, we got them in third and medium, third and long situations, but we weren't able to get them off the field. And with Cooper Rush throwing for 325 yards, that says a, a lot about um, this Dallas Cowboys team as far as like they are a good team. They can keep their quarterback up but still we have guys on our defensive side of the ball too that should be able to stop them and we weren't able to do so and hopefully we can do it this upcoming Sunday and be better on third down against the Baltimore Ravens. Boom. Right on time. Yeah it's such a good point because you know we have I would say one of the best quarterbacks in the league. He has the talent. We have the offensive weapons and Cooper Rush and his guys looked much better uh, and, and it's frustrating because I think that we all know it's there. We yeah. all yeah. know it's there. It's just putting it together. And I mean, hats off to Kellen Moore and those guys, uh, the Cowboys play caller, offensive coordinator, who still looks like he's probably my age. Like he looks so young, but he has it all figured out. Get Dak's not there. Plug in Cooper Rush. It was just fine. And honestly, I don't want to be too negative, but I do feel like a lot of their third down success was due to Daniil not being in. Um, I think when he was in the game, they were one of five, something like that. And then he got hurt and then they go on this long run. So if Daniil is healthy, of course, he won't be healthy the rest of the year. So we got to figure out a way to um, make up for that. Yeah. yeah, make up for that. But um, that that was a big presence with him being out. Tyron Smith was out also. So you can say, OK, well, we should still have to. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Daniil is Daniil and we got to find a way to be better without him. I know I'm that, not crying. You are, <laughs> <laughs> and I know that was one of the things. Even just watching when when we first got the news in the second quarter that all of a sudden he was out. Yeah, you're just like, okay, like, like what? He'll be back. To what level will he be yeah. back? When they came back from halftime and said he's out for the game, I was like, oh boy. Yeah, and, and I that know. was. I think defensively that was a tipping point, and and like you were saying, and just that trying to get pressure on on any any kind of pressure against their offense. You saw them come out in the second half. You know what? Honestly, I'm going to bite my tongue right now because this is something that I'll vent sesh. Oh, <laughs> sounds good. I like it. I like it. I was it trying was... to get it out of you. Yeah. No, no, no. We're good. Well, Lindsay, you're the guest. We'll let you go second. Sweet. So you ready? I'll count you down in three, two, one. Okay. I think out of everything from Sunday's game, the thing that frustrated me the most, and I know we touched on this just a little bit, but was the inability to capitalize with points on offense after turnovers, just because... We all know that football is a game of momentum. When you create turnovers, it 
creates so much energy and juice and you give the ball back to your team. And then when you can't make something happen after that, it somehow feels more defeating even than like a a quote regular offensive Mm -hmm. drive. Right. And so I think that kind of goes right into the the inconsistencies where we know we've got the guys on offense to make things happen and on defense as well. But when you get out there and you have three three and outs in a row and you can't capitalize on what your defense just did that feels super super deflating so for me that was the biggest thing in going into Baltimore it's like if we can create turnovers can we flip that and create points off of it nice on the money (laughs) like a real pro yeah it's and it's something that I think that they've struggled with the entire season and you think after a bye week like hopefully some self-scouting will help shore up those problems and every time we see that in the scripted section we get I feel like there's this like hope and optimism that kind of creeps back into the picture when you watch on the first drive and then the game just continues to go on and it just feels like same old same old um, but Jay will let you get to your vet session next all right I'm going to since stop you held out for it yes 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 <laughs> all right Release the vent sesh. Three, two, one. One of the biggest moments I thought in the game was something that we've all been bracing against the entire season, which has happened repeatedly, is what's going to happen come the beginning of the second half. Mm-hmm. And when the Cowboys came out, hit the deep shot on you know right away and essentially evened up the game and went 10-10, the first words that came out of my mouth was, all right, even game at this point. It's like whoever wins the second half has, has got the game. And to Lindsay's point, that was something that I really focused on as well, was thinking about how you had a guy like Xavier Woods have such a great game against his former team and then only be able to get essentially three points out of the two turnovers that were created. I think for me, it was just wasted opportunity on those things. And I think that that has been the common theme this season is just saying like you've had opportunities in different spots to try and capitalize and to only get three points or go three and out. Um, on those kind of pieces has been just something that's been an absolute Achilles heel for this team. No, you're totally right. And I think I might piggyback off that a little bit in my vent session myself, because it's just one of those things where I feel like, oh, I probably should, should hold on a second. Huh? Uh, I got to we'll let Jay okay. get the timer going. Um, I think Jay, to that point, like going into the game last week, we knew the Dallas Cowboys, they were they're the second best third third quarter scoring offense. So they always score points after the break. They scored a touchdown on the first drive of the second half in every single game that they played. So Zimmer knew that going in. And then the fact that the third play of the game, you give up a, a third play of the second half, you give give up a seventy three yard touchdown, it's like, ah, like, come on, like what are we doing? So yeah, to that point of like being good to end the half and then being better to start the half in the second half. That's something this Minnesota Vikings team has to be really good at. Zimmer said it on X's and O's with PA earlier this week, so yep, got to continue to be better. But let me ask you. Let me. I'm sorry. Let me ask you this though. We're what seven, eight weeks, eight weeks in at this point. Like nine. Yeah, I guess Mm -hmm. nine. Going on nine weeks. Like, is that just going to be who we are? Like, at some point, you have to say we're just. That's where we're. We're not getting better at. I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm but it's kind of like point of it's point of emphasis. It's a point of emphasis that you have to talk about if you're a coach and your team. Like guys know that. I mean, every interview that they do, sure. they they know that, and other teams know that's who we are. But as a team, you don't want to say that is who you are. You have to look yourself in the mirror and say like, okay, this is who we have been, but this is not who we want to be. So right. 
Right. I don't think you can ever accept it and swallow it. Sure. You you have to face it, but you you can't, you can't No, to be a a good team or to, to say that we want to have a bounce back here. I mean, last year we bounced back after the Cowboys game. So to say like, Hey, this is what we want to be after this Cowboys game. No, you can't say that's who we're going to be. Well, I mean, I I don't, I don't think that's necessarily what I was saying is like, that's who they, they're going to be, but that's just part of the identity at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and, and it feels almost like, like, where's the, when is the switch going to flip to figure it out, to finally execute in that way? You know, we're all saying, and if we're all saying it, they've definitely been saying it at least for the, the, the first chunk of the season here. And, and I think, in general, when you look at this stuff, it's, you know, the whole definition of insanity is doing the same thing and expecting a different result. I, I don't feel like every single week they're coming out and saying, well, this is how we do things and this is what we're going to get. It's It's been more of a what have we done and what have we tried and what changes have happened, but we're still getting this similar result. So really digging into it and saying, what is the core crux of, of the issue that we're having? I think eventually it gets to a point where a lot of it is going to stem from people saying, I'm just tired of this. I'm tired of having the same result over and over again. So how, what do we have to do internally to change it? And I know there's probably going to be scheme changes, especially sure. now there's going to be personnel changes given, you know, Daniil's injury and stuff on defense. Like there's going to be changes that are going to be had and some will probably be positive and some are probably going to be negative as well. But it, it's, it's the, you, you just came off the bye, the self-scouting, trying to change things up, still had a similar result against this Cowboys offense that, you know, has got some definite weapons. But for me, it's it's looking at this and saying, OK, we all know what hasn't worked for these these first games. It's what do we need to do again this week going into Baltimore to figure out how do we not do this again? Right. Well, and the Cowboys are a good team, right? Like, it's not like we lost to an awful team. Sure. But I think part of the discouragement is the fact that it's at home. You've got this crazy stadium, home field advantage, prime time. Mm-hmm. And like Gabe mentioned, you know, Dak's out. And I think to Tatum's point, they were able to have a, a good enough plan and they have enough weapons on their team to just plug Cooper Rush in and make it still work. But there's all those factors that make it just feel really discouraging. Yeah. But the Cowboys are a good team. I don't think you can ignore that. They will be the best team we play all year this year. I think I so, too. I know the Packers are 6-1, and one, but... I don't think the cow the Packers could hold the Cowboys weight right now. Tatum, you're up for Ventsush. All right, cool, cool. All right, three, two, one. One thing we haven't talked about is third down, I and I know to me too. I, I I know that I kind of figured it wouldn't last this long in the vent sessions, but to go one in thirteen, that's an eight percent conversion rate. It's the worst mark they've had with Kirk Cousins as the starter, and and conversely, you know, I I think getting third down stops is something that that we didn't do a terrible job at but but when you can't sustain drives it's the it's feel like it's like I said earlier it's the same old story we've talked about every week I feel like this has been my event session for a while now but in that regard I feel like taking more chances on first and second down we saw a couple of times and it almost felt like they were discouraged after not hitting those chances um, or those shots necessarily. Um, nine of 12 possessions lasted five plays or fewer. And I just, you can't win games like that. The fact that we were hanging in there, though, is is a good sign. But uh, this offense needs to, oh, yep, there we go. This offense <laughs> needs 
to find themselves <laughs> is the best way I could probably put it. Like you said, you've been talking about this week after week. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and but when you really you get the, the stats page at the end of the game, you look at it. I mean, it's just this giant flashing red light sitting there saying like you were one for 13 on third mm-hmm. downs. And we're talking about trying to sustain drives. We're talking about trying to move the ball, especially even inside the red zone. You know, you're inside the 10 yard line. Um, and you end up going negative yards, you know, instead of scoring touchdowns, it's like, those are those missed opportunities. And you're sitting there saying, we only gave up 20 points on defense and lost by four points. Like you're, tra- uh, even last week I was saying, you can't trade field goals for touchdowns against this team. And this is exactly what we did. So mm-hmm. it, it's just that third down piece of saying, why aren't we able to convert those things? Um, and it wasn't like there were a ton of opportunities where you saw guys like dropping passes or just not getting past the sticks. It was more of you need eight yards and you were thrown for six right. or something like that. Like mm-hmm. th- too many checkdowns. That mm-hmm. that and that's the that's the frustrating part. I remember even in a couple plays you saw them hitting the checkdown because the pressure was was you know in Kirk's face and a guy like KJ Osborne streaking down the center of the field. And you're like man, just loft that thing to him and he's he's gone it's we're seeing things and i know that it's different when there's a guy in your face trying to trying to tackle you but those are the pieces that i think when they go in and start breaking down the film whether it's the coaches or the players and they're in in their meetings that they just got to be you know shaking their heads going man those are the opportunities that we're missing right now and if we hit those things it's completely different ball game i i feel like when it comes to third down we kind of took a step back as far as what we have shown on film versus what we did on Sunday. We were 41% on third down the past two games, Mm -hmm. 12 of 29. And we showed promise. Jay, you brought it up a couple of weeks ago. I was like, man, the fact that we were really good on third down is is key here. So I feel like we took a step back and not being able to execute there. We we were, I thought we were okay on first down this week. Like Dalvin had a few, Mm -hmm. he had a few eight yard runs, but it was those check downs on second down that we weren't good at that put us back and, a third and six or a third and seven. So yeah, just just being more consistent on second down, which is people don't really talk about that, right? It's just like, all right, be good on first and then <laughs> set yourself up for third down. But second down, we weren't really good at all on Sunday. And I feel like that kind of changed the momentum when you get it pushes uh, you back. Pushes you back. Mm-hmm. When you get like a minus three yards on a catch on second down, it's like, oh shoot, we were going forward. Now we're going back. Now you now you gotta go back on your if you're Clint Kubiak, now you're, you know, rewinding back on your play sheet to say okay well all right we didn't expect to get in this instead but, of flipping right, a three and two right. you're you're flipping a third I'll, nine i'd much right. rather go second and two and then be third and two than exactly. third and five so yeah another point of emphasis this week yeah for sure well speaking of this week it's going to be a tough matchup against a ravens team who is coming off a bye themselves Um, If you're a fan of the podcast, you may recognize this next segment. We're going to go around and give one thing today that we're excited about and one thing that we're nervous for in this matchup. The kickoff is set for noon in Baltimore, so it's away from U.S. Bank. I know that if you look at the odds and stuff, we're looking like we're the underdogs in this one, but that doesn't mean can't come out swinging. So let's start with um, something that you're excited about this matchup. And Lindsay, I'll let you start this one. Awesome. Well, 
I think I'm going to cheat a little bit on, on this one just because what I'm excited about is to see if Michael Pierce will get to play against his former team. I know we've all been antsy to get Pierce back in the lineup. We don't have an answer yet on whether or not he'll be healthy and ready to go on Sunday, but I think if he is, it would be an awesome game to see him come back. Obviously, he hasn't been in Baltimore for two years because he opted out of um, last season, his first year with the Vikings, um, but I think it would be great to see... Just just to have that energy in Baltimore against his former team. And and also, regardless of team, just having Pierce back in there against the run, I think would be huge, um, you know, against Lamar Jackson, against Baltimore, trying to move the ball on the ground. If you have Pierce back in there, I think that would be really significant. So I'm kind of a wait and see, but that's what I'm most intrigued by this, this week is to see if he will bounce back because I can't think of a better week for that to happen for him. So definitely rooting for that. It'd be nice to get another veteran presence back in the lineup, especially since I feel like this line hasn't all really played together since the first week. And now with Daniil out, it is good to get Pierce back in the mix. Hopefully, fingers crossed. I like your totally. optimism. Yeah. What, yeah. If, what if he has like an Xavier Woods type game against his former team? I mean, oh, wow, right? Like, it would be oh. incredible. So yeah. I I don't know, but I'm <laughs> I'm trying to be optimistic. Right. I'm hopeful no, that this good. will be the week. We're going to will it will it to happen. Yeah. Especially in a week, like you said, with Daniil being out, it's like there's the subtraction if you can get Michael Pierce to help fill in mm-hmm. on that. Yes, it's different. Yes, they're going to try and you know exploit going to the outside, I'm sure, with Daniil not necessarily out there putting as much pressure. But um, to get someone like Michael and be able to get some pressure then at least up the middle, I think would be huge. And, you know, last week, my my thing that I was excited to see was uh, Xavier Woods and Everson Griffin going against the Cowboys. Michael Pierce is going to have that extra motivation if he gets on the field. And I think you're you're dead on with that is just to say it's going to be exciting to see if he actually gets out there and plays. And honestly, even if he doesn't, it's always great to have somebody on your side who is has familiarity with mm-hmm. the team that you're going yeah. against. Like, so I think that, you know, his presence is important in the meeting rooms this this week and hopefully on the field, too. Gabe, you want to go next? One thing you're excited about for this matchup? Uh, I'm excited about Dalvin Cook in the past game versus this okay. Baltimore Ravens defense. Um, they're the number, I think they're top five uh, run defense in the NFL, having given up an 100-yard rusher, but they have given up over 360 rush, receiving yards to running backs. So Dalvin hasn't had that big receiving game yet. I think he only has like 73 reception yards. He hasn't been involved in Uh, the past game much and this Baltimore Ravens team they like to blitz they blitz a lot 32 percent of the time they are blitzing the quarterback sending five six guys and if Dalvin's not setting up you know blocking helping in the interior leaking him out in space getting him one-on-one against a linebacker I take my chances with Dalvin versus any linebacker in the NFL and I think this week if they're going to try to double up JJ or Thielen like teams have been doing the past couple of weeks that leaves um, opportunities for Dalvin in the past game to be able to create some space and create some long catches. Similar, like I, I'm expecting a Green Bay Packer s in the receiving game for Dalvin Cook this upcoming Sunday. Would you compare at all the type of pressure that the Cowboys were able to put on the Vikings in any way to the Ravens? Not really, because the the Ravens. They show blitz now. They show okay. The Cowboys, they'll more they'll more so disguise it, and then they'll gotcha. send guys late. So I mean, they'll like Justin Houston is amazing. So Justin Houston isn't better than Randy Gregory, but he he's he's up there. But you got I mean six guys at the line of scrimmage on any given play, just literally coming at you. So you you know what's coming. 
We're just wondering how many check downs we would save this week. I think a lot. I think a lot. I yeah. think I mean Which is I guess your point to Yeah. And I think Dalvin that's why Dalvin will have yeah. uh a, that's what that's why I'm very excited about that. Um good deal. Their secondary isn't that great, so they will try to double team some, some of our shots. receivers. Let's go. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Jay, what are you excited for in this matchup? Gabe, I'm minimally piggybacking off of your take because I had a similar take, but here's my question. What does Anthony Everett, Patrick Queen, Chuck Clark, Marlon Humphrey, and Brandon Stevens all have in common besides uh, playing in the secondary? Ooh, they've all played like four years in the NFL? Like, I don't know. They are currently their top five leading tacklers on their defense. Ooh. Oh, okay. So they give up a ton of plays deep, especially. And um, in past weeks, there's been a couple times where you're like, oh, they, you know, two of their top three tacklers are their secondary. Their top five tacklers wow. are their secondary. Mm-hmm. So that, to me, says with giving up 298 yards in the air on average mm-hmm. for this season, that has to be our exploitation for this week. We have to get some pass plays, which means offensive line-wise, they have to give Kirk time. Mm-hmm. And if they do, that is going to be something, as you were just saying, as aggressive as they are defensively, we have to have the time in order to make sure that we can get Thielen, JJ, KJ, and even the tight ends out in space, Dalvin as well, and get some time because there will be some big plays to be had there. It just turns into how much of a – rope dope game are you going to play or is this going to be a bunch of haymakers and trying to hit some 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 big shots deep and I, I for me the, the consistency piece of this has been how much time is Kirk going to get mm-hmm. if he gets the time yeah. he can kill you that is the same going to be the same kind of success against this Baltimore team because if they're going to line up I mean in some situations on on film they were showing they were lining up 10 guys on the line like mm-hmm. that's how aggressive they were getting that just means there's going to be one-on-one in the back end. And so mm-hmm. hopefully our, our receiving options are going to have those one-on-one matchups. And I feel confident knowing J.J. and Thielen especially can shake a guy. And with K.J., if he can get out in space as well, he can definitely burn someone. So that is Absolutely. my that is my biggest thing, I think, for this game is, is going into it, saying you got to give Kirk time so that you can hit those, those shots down the field. Well, it almost feels like the offensive line has bounced back performances uh, after, you know, especially when you look at the the first two games of the season. If, if it was a, a game where they weren't allowing Kirk to have some more mobility in the pocket, to have some time back there, that that the next game they really just stepped up. And so that's what I'm hoping to see from them this week, for sure. For sure. Um, I know if, if you get the ball in your playmaker's hands against this Baltimore Ravens defense, there will be opportunities to make plays. They've given, yeah. I think they give up the, they've given up the most yards after catch more than any team in the NFL. So the opportunities will be there. You can turn the film on and say, well, um, C.J. Uzama from the Bengals had that long catch, and then Jamar Chase had the long catch. But outside of that, they, they are still giving up a lot of passing yards. I think it's like right now they're giving up like over 2,000 passing yards, most in franchise history in the first – seven games so just get the ball like like, just get the ball out quick and let those guys make plays I mean yeah he he Kirk took longer against the Cowboys to get the ball out I think than he has all game Mm -hmm. and I'm not I'm not putting that solely on him either because like you guys said I mean if if the O-line isn't keeping him clean and giving him that little bit of time to get the ball out then he's having to check down and whatnot um but I think getting the ball out quickly is going to be key to Gabe's yeah. point because I do think that we can make something happen against this defense. All right. Well, I will go with what I'm excited about, and I'm going to just kind of piggyback off of my vent session because 
when you're one of 13 on third down, you can only go up. And that's what I'm excited about. <laughs> um, this team, to this point of of allowing big plays and this kind of leaky defense, they're allowing opponents to um, convert on third down. They only have a 32% third down stoppage rate. So it's um, unfortunately similar to ours, I think. So I I am ready to go. I think that we need to take advantage of those, take some shots. And, and I just, I'm excited to see these guys have fun. And I think to me, that's my biggest takeaway from this past week. It didn't feel fun and football's fun. And I want, you know, I, I think when the players are having a good time, they feel like they're like, like they're not like, feeling the pressure of the situation. They're loose. They're playing the game. That's what I think you love to see. And I think sometimes you have to take a step back and realize, like, it's just a game. Like, let's just go out there, do our jobs, and have a good time because I play football for a living. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But in order to do that, I think they have to have some success early Mm -hmm. in order to just start, you know, not mentally spiral a little bit and go, oh, no, here we go again. It's like, (laughs) you know, hit a couple couple early shots, hit a couple of, of... Nice plays to either move the sticks, but definitely punch it in the end zone and just get that feeling of, okay, we got this. At least we're doing something here. Um, I think the the frustrating part of the game for me, again, uh, with Dallas was it felt similar to Cleveland in that you marched down the field and we all know, I mean, Zimmer's done it in the past to other teams, which is we're going to play a certain kind of defense. Let's see what they do. Okay, once we know what they want to do with their game plan, take that away and see how they react to it. Mm-hmm. That is the point, I think, that, if you can then turn around and have not just one, but at least a couple of sustained drives and, and really make that happen, I think that'll right. mentally just put them in the right frame of, okay, today's a different day. Let's do this. There was no rhythm on Sunday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when you can get into a rhythm, then it's fun, right? <laughs> because yeah. right. because when you're going three and out, you're not finding any sort mm-hmm. of rhythm or groove for your team. This might be a weird thing to say, but I think even if you have a drive sometimes that maybe doesn't end in a touchdown, but it eats up a lot of clock, it yeah. gets you into a rhythm, it gives your defense time to rest. Like you have to put together longer drives, yeah. even though knowing that, you know, probably not everyone is going to end in a touchdown, yeah. but the three and outs have to stop. Yeah. Fun. I feel like fun is complimentary. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. fun is the kicker making a, 40-yard field goal, like Lindsey said, after a long drive. And yeah. then the defense having a stop and then the offense going on like that. Capitalizing on a turnover or and, something. And I'm not mm-hmm. trying to make an excuse here, but I do think playing on prime time after a bye week, after winning two games in a row, that's a lot of pressure. It's tough. Yeah. And that can make you tight. And I feel like we played very tight to start the game off mm-hmm. after that first drive. So I feel like now the nerves are out of the picture. We know we got to start winning these games. Yeah. It's like, dude, let's just go out here and just enjoy this thing. And play assignment oriented football they know how talented they are they know Mm -hmm. they have the pieces it's just coming up with that full complete game performance um so speaking of (laughs) complete game performances let's talk about what makes us a little bit nervous about this matchup and i'm actually gonna just open the floor up to this one and we're just gonna all say it at one time uh what we're nervous about in Three, two, one. Lamar. Lamar Jackson. Jackson? <laughs> I thought we were all going to say Jackson. Nah. That was poorly timed, Mr. guys. Mr. Jackson. Yes. Yes. Mr. Jackson. Mr. Lamar Jackson. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, I mean, Lindsay, it's it's always tough when you face an NFL MVP, but when you face someone as talented as Lamar Jackson, you know, what, what makes you nervous about? I think the biggest thing with Lamar Jackson is just he's a Swiss Army knife. You know, like 
if you take away one part of his game, he's got another part that he can go to. He's not one dimensional. And that's that's what's nerve wracking. Um, for me, the thing that I'm thinking about is I, I'm sure everybody else in this room here can touch on um, his ability to run. And I think he has like the fifth most rushing yards or something like that in the league yeah, right now. It's league. crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, so that obviously I think is the first thing that people think of, but I'm just nervous too, to see sort of how they attack our defense because without Daniil um, being there with the pass rush, uh, it makes things a little bit more difficult on the secondary, which is also missing Patrick Peterson right now. And so I'm just, you know, I think in the pass game and the run game, it, it can, be tough but that the aspect that he's not one dimensional is what makes me nervous because you can't really key in on just one aspect of his game and shut him down we've seen a couple of those kind of quarterbacks already this season though yep and we're gonna see some more um (laughs) you know for for him though you you really look at the stats and you say he's the leading rusher he's the leading passer my guess is if uh, he could throw the ball to himself, he'd be the leading receiver as well <laughs> on that team. Probably, um, probably. He's just he's one of those guys that if if you go through and you watch even like the mic'd up segments from earlier this season mm-hmm. and some of those pieces, Harbaugh just looks at him when it gets to crunch time, especially and says, "What do you want to do?" And it's I want to go for a coach, but that's just it. It's it's the, the the cool part about seeing that is just seeing even Harbaugh looking at him and saying, "You know, I trust you to make the play." So what are you feeling right now? And it's like, okay, if, if you want to go for it, we're going to go for it. If you don't, and here's the thing, when you get a guy like that and he looks at him and says, you know, what do you want to do? I don't think he's ever going to say, yeah, I'm, I'm going to sit this one out coach. You know, it's more, but it's more of an empowering thing just to say, you are the guy, you are, you are a playmaker. You are the best playmaker on the field. What do you want to do? And I think for, for him having faith in him with a coach like that, just has to be even putting him to that next level. So mm-hmm. I think that is the scariest part is to say, we all know what the game plan is. We all know who's going to have the ball and it's how do you stop him? Mm-hmm. So I, I, that is why for me, the nerves are just going like, yeah, he, it begins and ends with Lamar Jackson. Million dollar question. Mm-hmm. How do you stop him? Gabe, would you like to answer the million dollar question? <laughs> uh, how do you stop him? I don't think you can. Yeah. Um, I think it's more so containing. Yeah, like how sure. do you contain him? Because he's going to, like, if Lamar doesn't have 50 yards rushing on Sunday, like, that'll shock everybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there's going to be at least one or two big plays. Like, they're it just, happens. it's going, there's going to be. And I think you have to be okay with that, but I think you have to be assignment oriented also. Um, the yeah. Bengals, after watching film, what they did, they just blitzed them through the A gap and then told their defensive ends to just hold their. Yeah. tackles and say okay well if he gets outside of you he's going to run right into your arm so don't get upfield don't go under just do your assignment yeah let everybody else do their job and you really have to be detailed when you play in Lamar Jackson you can't you can't go after the sack when you go after the sack that's when he burns you for 60 mm-hmm. yards now it's just hey my, my gap is five yards wide and three yards up the field and after that I don't have to worry about anything else. I did my job opposed to playing a Ryan Tannehill where you can get pressure and, and put pressure in his face. Now it's drawing up some nice blitzes in the interior and telling your exterior to just hold the guy up. But still, you can do all of that and Lamar can burn you for an 80-yard touchdown and a 300 yards passing, but you can still beat him. That's the same game plan we've used in the past for Russell Wilson. It's the same thing we had talked about doing for Kyler Murray. Yep. It's the same kind of thing. It's like... Yeah, as nasty as they can be inside the pocket is one thing, but when they get outside the pocket, that's when bad things happen. Right. And 
hopefully now, I mean, this is where even missing Daniil even more, being able to squeeze on that edge mm-hmm. is is something that's that's potentially an issue. But um, you know, that's gonna be up to to Patterson and 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 the Zimmers to, you know, put a game plan in place in order to try to neutralize them as best as they can. Lucky for them, the Bengals laid a nice little blueprint for everyone in the league to see how how you can potentially contain and and try to keep Lamar Jackson under wraps. Um, you know, I, I don't I I think this game, Sammy Watkins may be coming back, Latavius Murray may be coming back, so they do get some more offensive weapons into the mix. Uh, so, so at the end of the day, though, like you said, the million dollar question, how do you stop Lamar Jackson? And I have a feeling that that will be much discussed this week <laughs> over here at Twin Cities Orthopedics Performance Center. Um, but for now, um, we're going to slowly wrap up the day in this podcast, Minnesota Vikings podcast. Lindsay, is there anything that you are working on that people should look out for? We do have some some fun stuff coming up. Always keep an eye out for Purple Pups content that's going to be coming up here in the few weeks. I mean, I can never not plug that, right? No, it's so it, good. It's just if you haven't seen so it, fun. you're really missing out, especially if you're a dog lover. Absolutely. Um, I also have a story coming out here in probably a week or two um, about, I, I don't want to give too much away, but um, kind of, of another piece of of. Eric Hendricks and, and his fiance and kind of some stuff that they're doing in, in the community to really give back. And I can just never say enough good things about That's Eric awesome. and, and what he's doing. I know that um, he was featured recently on the today show yeah. for his work with all square and things like that. So um, some off field things that I'm really excited about and I always appreciate, you know, fans checking in and seeing what we're working on. That's awesome. Gabe, the audible this week. Who's the, the guest? We got Brian O'Neill and he's bringing in Christian Derisaw. Very nice. So we're talking to, to the two anchors, the exterior anchors of the offensive line. So get to yeah, know those guys Yeah, we haven't heard too much from Christian. That'll be great to have him. Yeah, glad, glad to have him on this team. He is a beast. And I think a lot of Vikings fans are starting to see that. So to be able to get to know who he is outside or when his helmet is off. Um, that'll be pretty cool to do today. So well, he's from well, Maryland too. He's from Maryland, so, so he's going home. Brian yeah. O'Neill, it grew up an hour from Baltimore, so did okay. Christian Darisaw. So nice. There's a there's some kind a of tie connection. there. Yeah, so that'll be fun. And Jay, we've got Vikings Vantage this Friday. We've got St. Paul native and former Raven who won a ring with those guys. Matt Burke joining the show here for this Friday. So it'll be good to catch up with Matt and uh, get his take on not only this Baltimore team, but his time in Baltimore. So I'm looking forward to being able to catch up with Mr. Burke and uh, see what he's got to say about this upcoming matchup this weekend. Yeah, we've got Friday football feast this mm-hmm. week out in Elk River. So I will be, it's my turn on the rotation game and I always switch there. off. Yeah. yeah, so I'm going to Elk River. I'm pumped. I like it. It gives me a little quick tour of Minnesota every time we go out to these things. And we love to see fans out there. It's 9 to noon on KFAN if you can't make it to Elk River. But if you can make it in person, it's always fun when there's a crowd. Or if you can't make it, make sure you tune in at 11 because that's when Tatum will be on. Oh, so probably around listen, that time. Just listen to it like 11 o'clock. That, that time frame should be on there. <laughs> yeah. We like to have a little fun around there. But guys, we have a chance to get back to 500 this weekend on the road at Baltimore. Uh, facing Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Tall task, but again, you know, it's another week to, to to start over, to bounce back after this past weekend. Thank you so much to Vikings.com staff writer Lindsay Young for being our guest on the podcast this week. Yeah, thank you, Snaps guys. to her. We always love having her here. For Gabe Henderson, Jay Nelson, I'm Tatum Everett. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.